Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode. Halloween is what I would call the unofficial start to the holiday season. I think most people feel that way, especially because they give themselves a little bit more permission to eat foods. This is when we see some motivation start to fall off. And, you know, well, it's the holidays and the holidays are hard. And I'll get back into it January 1st when all the holidays are behind me. But do you ever notice that there's always something on the horizon, right? A lot of times we think, oh, once this is over, then I'll be able to devote time to to my diet, or then I'll be able to start my workouts. But interestingly enough, something else always pops up. And eventually we get to this point where we're like, huh, maybe... If I keep putting it off and I keep waiting for the perfect time, that's never going to (laughs) happen. So I want you to think about where are you at in your journey? See, for me, I feel it's a privilege to be with you wherever you're at. For some people, you're just listening to these podcasts and gathering some information and making some opinions about your own health or how some of the information I supply, how that applies to your life. For some of you, you're considering making changes. You know, you're actually thinking about it more seriously. You're considering what amount of effort would I need to put into this and what would that look like? And for others, you're like all in. You're like, you know what? I've done the research. My mind's in the right place. I'm ready to go. Just tell me what to do, and I'm ready to put the work in. And I just want you to know that wherever you're at in your journey, it is perfectly acceptable. It is perfectly fine with me. And I am, like I said, I am just so honored and privileged to be with you wherever you're at. And I take that responsibility very seriously. So today I'm going to give you some information, some education, and for some of you, that's where it'll stop. And for others of you, you may want to try to apply some of these tips and suggestions in making some changes in your life. You know, I noticed that, gosh, has the Halloween candy been out since the beginning of the school year? So last week in August, I believe, is when they start putting candy out, and I get it. I realize, you know, they're trying to make money. People get excited. They buy the candy. They eat the candy. They have to buy more candy for Halloween. I get the whole concept. But it just makes me sad that our culture, society, whatever you want to call it, is in such a rush. We were just at a wedding this past weekend, probably one of the most beautiful facilities I've ever been at. It was actually on this Amish farm, and it was gorgeous, like beautiful setting outside, a big pond with a fountain. Um, the barn where the reception was held was absolutely gorgeous. Of course, they had the the cute lights and just 
decorated simply, but yet elegantly. Just, I want all my kids to get married there. (laughs) And um, one of Jim's aunts said to us as we were walking into the reception was, well, it's not going to be too long before this is you guys. And I just, part of me died inside. I'm like, I am not ready for any of this. I don't want to rush any part of this, this part of my kids' lives. Like I am so enjoying the teenage years and I enjoyed other years too, but I'm just really enjoying watching my kids come into their own and making decisions and standing up for themselves and figuring, you know, what they want from their life and from their, their future. And it is just, I don't know. I'm just really enjoying it. So I am not in a rush to move past this stage. Yes, I want my kids to get married at this barn, but I'm not in any rush for when that happens. Uh, Just like I'm not in any rush for the holiday season to come and go. Like I just want to enjoy each moment as it comes because life is going by way too fast. So let's jump into this topic of sugar because I feel like I always do a sugar episode around October because it seems like that's when we have the more options available. I'll say it that way, right? There's more candy, there's more junk food, the weather starts turning. So we start to, you know, think of, you know, apple pies and apple dumplings. You know, maybe if you are the type that likes to go to farms or um, corn mazes, hot chocolate, maybe because the weather's cooler, you like to go out and make s'mores. There's just lots of opportunity for more sugar in your diet. So today I want to talk about this concept of is sugar addicting? Because I do hear that in my office all the time. I think I'm addicted to sugar. So let's break it down and let's actually talk about it. What does that even mean? And then I want to provide some education on, you know, what is considered a healthier diet when it comes to sugar. You'll be surprised that it's not zero grams of added sugar. You are allowed to have some and still be considered healthy. And um, I want to talk about some tips if you're at that place where you're ready to make some changes, what are some action steps that you can take right now that are simple? And for those that maybe have already done those simple changes, you know, for those that are ready to take the next step, I want to give you options as well. All right, so let's just jump right in. So we know that we love sugar in at least the United States. So one of the stats I found is that Americans are consuming between 22 and 30 teaspoons of sugar a day. And when I say sugar, I'm going to refer to added sugar, meaning that either the manufacturer added sugar to the product to make it taste better, or you as the consumer added sugar to a product before you ate it. So you put brown sugar in your oatmeal, you put honey in your tea, you put sugar in your coffee. That's what I mean by added sugar. I'm not talking about natural sugars that are found in fruits and vegetables and plain dairy products. We're not covering that today. We're talking about added sugar. If you eat cereal and the manufacturer adds 12 grams of sugar to a serving to make that, sh- that cereal taste better, 
That is what we're referring to as added sugar. Okay. So we know that Americans are consuming between 22 and 30 teaspoons every day of added sugar. Okay. On average, which if you calculate that and add it all up can equate to close to a dumpster's worth of sugar in a lifetime. That feels excessive. And it is. The recommendations for healthy diets with added sugar, for women, it's no more than six teaspoons of added sugar a day. And for men, it's no more than nine teaspoons. So we are eating four times the amount of sugar than what is considered healthy for our bodies. Which, if you compare that to sodium, most adults are eating three times the amount of salt in their diet. So sugar tends to be even more of an issue. And we know that because of the incidence and prevalence of diabetes in our country and of um, people that are overweight and obese, which could be tracked to, to sugar intake. So we know we like sugar, right? Now, just as a frame of reference, one teaspoon, because I've been talking in terms of teaspoons, one teaspoon is equal to four grams of sugar, whether it be in the form of white sugar, added sugar, artificial sweeteners, one teaspoon is equal to four grams. So if you put a tablespoon of sugar in your coffee, you are putting in 12 grams of added sugar. And then depending on if you... um, Identify as male and female. Female would be no more than 24 grams a day, and for men, no more than 36 grams a day. So that is how we like to differentiate it, okay? So it's a lot of sugar, but the question, if we you know, take a step back, is, is sugar addicting? And so I did some research on this topic because, again, a lot of people come in and they're like, I feel like I'm addicted to sugar and I need to go through a cleanse or a withdrawal. And I will sit there patiently and smile because I understand that's how it feels. But I always, always, always counsel my clients to please do not start something they have no intention of finishing. So it may feel like we need to do a cleanse of sugar, but ultimately we need to figure out how to coexist with it, right? The answer is not just get rid of it, never have any sugar again, because you and I both know that is just not going to happen. But I would love the opportunity to teach you how to coexist with it and not feel so crazy around it. All right. So in order for something to be an addiction, the criteria for addiction is it must meet two qualifiers. So let's talk about what those qualifiers are. There must be impaired control around it, which for some people, that's like binging, Uh, intense cravings. And I would say a lot of us will say, yes, when that sugar craving comes on, I can't think about anything else. It kind of takes over my brain. So a lot of people can resonate with, uh, with the cravings aspect and maybe even the impaired control as well. Uh, another criteria is continued use despite knowing the risks. So perhaps, you know, maybe you are diabetic yourself or you have family members that are diabetic and you understand that 
you probably shouldn't consume a ton of sugar just because of your health history, but you can't control, you, you can't let, I don't want to say you can't let that be a factor, but you don't let that be a factor. You still feel like you can't control yourself despite knowing that it's not in your best interest. Um, a fourth criteria is withdrawal symptoms when you stop consuming it. And I would say, I want to just speak to this for a second. A lot of us do feel withdrawal coupled with cravings. You know, if you think about it, sugar is a burst of energy for your body. And your body, when it wants energy and it gets that quick fix, that burst, you know, in about 15 minutes, your blood sugar is going to spike and you're going to get that hit of dopamine. You know, your body likes it. Unfortunately, though, that hit doesn't last very long and eventually you'll crash. And so a lot of us end up chasing our blood sugars throughout the day. We have something really sweet. We feel good. We crash. And so in order to feel good again, we eat more sugar. And for some of you, that's your pattern all afternoon long after lunch. You might start with something sweet for dessert after lunch. And especially if you didn't have a good solid balanced lunch, you know, that sweetness goes right to your bloodstream and then you end up just kind of eating junk all afternoon long and then you don't feel well, right? So when your body gets that short burst of energy and you try to just shut it off and say no more sugar, your body gets confused. It's like, whoa, 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 what happened? I thought we had a good thing here. I told you I wanted energy. You gave it to me very quickly and everything was good. The problem is sugar just doesn't stay in your bloodstream for very, you know, it, you get that blood sugar hit, but then your pancreas produces insulin and brings you back down as it's supposed to. That's a normal response. So for a lot of my people, they do feel those withdrawal symptoms when they stop eating sugar. They notice that their cravings intensify. And then the last criteria for addiction is tolerance, where you start to need more to feel the effects. So one piece of chocolate just doesn't do it for you anymore. You need at least six pieces to to feel good. And so when you look at the criteria for addiction, it would make sense that a lot of us feel like we check the boxes. I mean, one of the studies, it's so controversial, honestly, when you try to look at the research. One Uh, Some studies say technically no, the body does not become physically dependent on sugar like it does to opiates like morphine and heroin. And others say, you know what, when you eat sugar, it lights up and excites the parts of your brain just like cocaine does. And so I really don't think arguing over whether or not sugar is addicting is the right argument to have. If you feel like you are having those symptoms and having a response to it, then the next question is, how do we help you not feel that way? Regardless of whether it does attack the same parts of your brain or it doesn't attack the same parts, if you feel like it's a problem, then we need to discuss it, okay? So let's do that today. Let me give you some just really easy, practical ways that you can cut back on some of the sugar. Uh, I will say this, it is not 
for me personally, I don't recommend the all or nothing approach. I don't recommend that for anyone because it may work for the first day. It may work for the second day, but ultimately, like I said at the top of the podcast, I want you to learn how to coexist around sugar and not feel afraid when you're around it, not feel out of control, not be scared. You know, if you're going somewhere and there's going to be candy and how am I going to avoid this and how am I, like, I don't want you to have any of those fears. I want you to be able to be confident in your choices, knowing that sometimes you may overeat and other times you're going to make the best decision for you. And that's okay. We have to start normalizing some eating behaviors. I think diet culture has done a great job of telling us it's either one way or the other. You're either, you know, avoiding everything or, you know, you're, you're eating it all and you're screwing it up. Like, please, there is a huge amount of space between those two extremes that we can land. And normal eating includes overeating sometimes. It doesn't include overeating all the time, but it includes maybe eating past fullness or maybe eating too much sugar at times. And I think this is where we get really confused because we want the list of rules that make sense. Tell me what to do so I can do it. And that is not how nutrition works. There is no one right way in all circumstances. For example, sometimes when you're having a craving for sugar, the very best thing you can do is eat that food. Chances are, if you eat that food when you have a craving, you'll be able to eat it in more of a modest amount. You fix the craving, you move on. Sometimes when you try to avoid the craving, you end up eating seven other items before you go back to the original food that you're craving and eat that too. So to me, eating the food in that moment is actually the better option than trying to avoid it, eating eight other items, and then still going back to that original food that you were craving. And I think you would agree. Sometimes the right decision is distracting yourself. You know, I always have to laugh when, you know, Jim or the boys, because now that Jake's driving, he tends to go out and get stuff sometimes. You know, I want to go get dessert. Do you want anything? And of course my answer is yes, but I'm like, no, no, I don't want anything because I'm not hungry. I'm not craving it. The only reason I want it is because you offered it, but I honestly don't want it. But now that you said it, I do but I don't, but I do, right? And so I'm always like, just you make the decision. I don't want to make it. There are times when you don't want the food and that's okay too. But we have to stop this all or nothing experience where we're either doing it or we're not. We're good if we avoid it. We're bad if we don't. Can we please stop it with the good and bad foods? That is actually step number one, right? And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but it needs repeating. Like we have to stop villainizing food. It is just food. You are not bad if you choose sugar. You are not good if you avoid sugar. 
you have up to 24 grams to use and still be considered a healthy eater if that's your goal. You are not good if you avoid it. You are not bad if you eat 24 grams. You are not bad if you eat 48 grams, all right? So step one is we've got to stop it with this is good, this is bad. I am good or I am bad nonsense. It, it's just, it's not working, all right? We can coexist when we look at it as neutral. There are times when we want it, but we don't need to have it all the time. If you continue to look at sugar as bad and something you have to avoid and control, it will always control you. All right. So what are some of those easy wins that we can get right away? Right. Well, one of the things is we can look at food labels and we can start to just become aware of how many grams of added sugar are in the products that we're buying. One of the suggestions I always make to um, families or just even my own kids is look for cereals with single digit added sugars. That's a good place to start. It still gives you enough options to feel like, you know, you're not just eating bran flakes, but it also eliminates some of those higher sugary cereals that might not make you feel good or fill you up. So, Always step one and anytime you're looking to make a change is awareness. And for that, we just start looking at labels. Before you try to conquer that whole grocery store, I want you to just go into your own pantry and your own cupboard and your refrigerator and start to just pull out products and look at how many grams of added sugar. Look at the foods that you eat most often and look at the grams of added sugar. I don't even want you to reduce it yet. I just want you to pay attention Most of my clients don't even read labels, or at least they didn't when they first came in, right? I want you to get that twitch in your wrist. Anytime you pick something up, again, you're not labeling it as good or bad. You're just looking at it for information so you can make your best decision moving forward. So step one is just look at labels. You don't have to make any changes yet. Just look. The second thing you can do, um, which... I kind of do this because I feel like it's helpful is I make sugar harder to get to, meaning I try not to bring a lot of desserts into the house. And that way, if I do want a dessert, I have to get in my car and go get it. How I know I really, really want a dessert is if I'm willing to put shoes on and my keys and get in the car and drive somewhere. Because normally when I'm home for the night, I don't feel like going anywhere. Like my desire to be warm and comfortable overwhelmingly succeeds. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Man, I'm struggling with words today. Is overwhelmingly more significant than the desire to eat the dessert. So the only part where it gets tricky is if somebody in my house is willing to go drive for it because then I have to make a decision in that moment. But for me, I try to keep some of those foods out of the house, not because I don't trust myself around it. I just use that as a way to measure if it's something I really want or if it's just a thought that popped into my head that, yeah, that would be nice, but I don't actually need it right now. One of the ways to make that happen is never go to the grocery store hungry. That is one of the... (laughs) 
probably one of the worst things you can do if you're trying not to bring specific foods into the house. I know it happens to me every once in a while. I really try hard to not do that. I know probably most of you have had that same experience. Uh, So you know you don't make your best decisions when you're hungry. I know when we do meal plan sessions for our clients and it's time for me to eat, I start looking at recipes and like, oh, they all look good and I just want to eat everything and I can tell I'm getting hungry. So you definitely make decisions when your stomach is satisfied, when you have a level of fullness, when you walk into the grocery store, it allows for you to make better decisions. All right. Um, Another tip for you is make sure you eat breakfast in the morning. More times than not, the reason why you're overly hungry in the evening, which is when most of us are snacking on high sugary foods, is because you didn't eat enough earlier in the day. You may skip breakfast. You may just drink coffee for breakfast. Uh, Maybe lunch was, you know, an afterthought and it was a Diet Coke and a pack of crackers. But more times than not, the reason why you're hungry and craving things at night is because you didn't eat enough nutrients during the day. So make sure you're eating breakfast. Uh, Specifically, try to eat higher protein. I know for me personally, uh, when I eat something higher carb or higher sugar for breakfast, I tend to notice that desire for more sugary foods later in the day. When I start my morning off with something more savory, like today I had uh, scrambled egg whites with mushrooms and a pear, I feel really satisfied and that craving for sugar isn't there. So just a thought if you're struggling. Uh, Ideally, if you do want something more carb-based for breakfast, just make sure you've got more fiber because fiber is also one of those things that helps you feel full. Speaking of meals, another tip for you is to always pair sugar with protein, right? So sugar on its own is going to create a spike in your blood. And the higher the spike, the more insulin your pancreas needs to produce to bring you back down. Protein acts as a drag. It keeps that sugar from spiking really high, thus requiring lots of insulin, So I always give this example in my office. Let's pretend that you are a carb and I am a protein. And I tell you to run across a parking lot. And you will. You'll run pretty fast. And then I'll call you back and I'll say, all right, let's do this again. Now we're going to run across the parking lot, but I'm going to wrap my arms around your waist. And you'll start to go. You'll get some momentum going. But about halfway through running through the parking lot, you're going to turn to me and say, get off. You're too heavy and I don't want to drag you anymore. And that's what protein does. It kind of acts as a drag so that your sugar doesn't spike quite as high. And protein helps you feel full. So if you're going to have something sugary, just pair it with a little bit of protein. And guys, if you need help with any of this, like ideas, what to eat, that's where coming into... uh, schedule an appointment with a dietitian can be really, really helpful. Like we'll actually map out exactly what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat. You know, I can't tell you enough how valuable that service is when you don't have to do all the thought work on your own. And remember, most insurances will cover nutrition visits with a dietitian. So uh, you may not even have any out-of-pocket costs, right? So, um, whether you see us at Body Metrics, whether you see somebody else, I just want to be able um, for you to feel supported and for you to have that help. 
All right, so always pair uh, sugar with protein. So if you have the option between regular M&Ms and peanut M&Ms, I want you picking the peanut M&Ms. You're going to feel fuller longer, and it's going to help um, satiate you so that you're not having those craving spikes later. All right. Um, If you're looking for an alternative to sugary candies, maybe something you'd be willing to try is snacking on dried fruits without any added sugar. Because all the water is removed from the fruit during the dehydrating process, all the natural sugars are concentrated and they give you this flavor of a piece of candy. So maybe your first step is just substituting unsweetened dried fruits for candy and see if that works for you. All right, just a quick, easy option. Um, Another thing you can do if you're looking to maybe take it to the next level is look for ways that you can sweeten your foods naturally. So for example, uh, if you are a yogurt um, lover, (laughs) if you like yogurt, uh, maybe you mix in some regular fruit into plain yogurt and eat it that way instead of buying a sweetened flavored yogurt. Uh, Another option is to stir unsweetened applesauce into your oatmeal versus brown sugar. Or maybe you throw in other fruits. I like to throw in a mashed banana or some raspberries or blueberries. And once they pop open, that gives it flavor. Uh, So there are definitely things that you can do to flavor more naturally versus always reaching for the added sugar. Because remember, when you add fruit to a product, you're not adding added sugar. They are natural sugars. And natural sugars have more fiber attached to it. They have more vitamins and minerals, which work for your body in a healthier way. And then finally, your last um, tip, if you will, is when you have sugar... I want you to try to create a meaningful eating experience. So maybe you try some of the substitutions. You're finding they're not working. Maybe you try to distract yourself uh, and that's not working. And you realize that, you know what? I just want to eat this sugar, whether, you know, we're talking about soda, we're talking about cake, we're talking about pie, we're talking about candy, whatever it is we're talking about. I want you to just create a meaningful eating experience. So what does that mean? I want you to be present. I don't want you distracted. And I want you to enjoy the food. And I also want you to do it in a way that doesn't produce guilt. So how the heck do you do all that? Right. So let's say you want to you want some candy. Say you want to get um, a candy bar or maybe you have Halloween candy and you're like, you know what? I just want this Kit Kat or whatever it is that you like. I want you to create an experience, meaning we're going to get rid of distractions. So no screens while you're eating it. I want you to take your time eating it, meaning, you know, you're going to take smaller bites. You're going to move that candy all over your mouth so you can fully extract every ounce of flavor that that candy piece can provide. And 
I don't want you telling yourself you're a bad person for choosing it. I shouldn't be doing this. No, stop it with those words. Remember, we talked all about that earlier. So I want you to just, this is how I'm taking care of myself right now. And I'm eating this mindfully and I'm enjoying it. And I refuse to give in to the guilt that diet culture says I need to feel if I eat something on the, the bad list. I'm enjoying this candy and I'm moving on. That is creating a meaningful eating experience. Actually enjoying it mentally and physically, not just physically and beating yourself up about it. That is not a meaningful eating experience. And then afterwards, I want you to tell yourself how proud you are of yourself for creating a meaningful eating experience versus just shoving it in and hiding your wrapper at the bottom of the trash can. Tell yourself how proud you are. Because remember, we need to reinforce those good habits. And take a moment to soak in how it feels to eat in control versus feeling out of control. Not every experience that you have with eating is going to be a meaningful eating experience. You're going to have slip-ups. That's normal. But the goal is to have as many meaningful eating experiences as you can. You'll notice you're a lot more physically satisfied. You'll notice you're a lot more emotionally satisfied. And when we can be both physically and emotionally satisfied with our food, we can have much better, um, a much better handle on our diets in a positive way. All right. So those are your tips. So again, no matter where you're at in your journey, whether you're just listening, whether you're ready to take some small steps or you're ready to take some of the larger steps. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. And, um, I'm so thankful you're here. Okay, so now I have to give you your recipe for the week. And it is a healthy slow cooker apple crisp. We were talking about fall, so remember, I got you. And I want to give you some of those good, healthier recipes. There's going to be a little bit of added sugar, but definitely a fraction of what is in a typical apple crisp. So for this recipe, you're going to need four to five apples, thinly sliced, You can peel them if you want, but I would say keep the skin on for some extra fiber. A tablespoon of lemon juice, two tablespoons of pure maple syrup, a teaspoon of ground cinnamon. All right, so that is going to be for the apple part. And then for the crisp topping, you're going to need three quarter cup of chopped pecans, a half a cup of almond flour, two tablespoons of pure maple syrup, and a half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon. So first you're gonna add the apples and lemon juice to a large mixing bowl, toss to combine, and then stir in the maple syrup and cinnamon until completely combined. Pour that mixture into the bowl of a slow cooker and spread it out so that it is on, it is in an even layer. Next, you're gonna add all the topping ingredients Uh, for the crisp to a medium bowl, stir the ingredients together until crumbles form and evenly spoon that mixture over your apples. Next, you're gonna place a dish towel or a few paper towels on top of the slow cooker and place the lid on top of the towels. 
The whole point of the paper towels is to help soak up some of that condensation that forms along the top of the lid so that your topping stays nice and crisp. You're gonna cook on high for three to four hours or low for six to eight hours until the apples are soft and cooked through. And then you're going to enjoy. So hopefully you guys will like this healthier version and um, I love it because it's hands off. So you can be making your other um, recipes, you know, whether you're cooking dinner and then dessert is waiting for you. All right, guys, that's what I got for you today. As always, have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.